right, welcome back to another du- episode of Other Duties as Assigned. We got a special guest here with us today. We have Troy Jepson, formerly, most recently with Drake. And uh, Troy, we're real happy that you could join us today. And what we like to do kind of at the start of these is open it up for you to kind of tell everybody kind of how you started in equipment and your your career path, because uh, you've been at some pretty big schools and some awesome places. So if you wouldn't mind, just uh, let us a little know a little bit about you. Yeah, well, first off, first off, thanks for having me. Um, it's a pleasure to be here. And uh, and uh, you're going to date me with kind of how I started started in equipment because I got to throw out some dates at you. So I I really got started as as a volunteer men's basketball manager my freshman year at Wayne State College in Wayne, Nebraska. So in the fall of 1992, um, I went to college to be a basketball teacher and a history coach or a basketball coach and a history teacher. And I, uh, I was a basketball geek at the time. Never, I liked football, but never, but never, I liked watching it, but that was about it. But basketball was my sport. And I had a bunch of free time on my hands. Cause if you saw my grades, my freshman year, I wasn't studying. So <laughs> I, uh, so I just started, started just volunteering as a, as a basketball manager. And then after, after the basketball season, the head equipment manager at Wayne state, who was also an assistant women's basketball coach came up to me and said, Hey, coach said, you did a great job with them. Would you like to, would you like to try, try doing football equipment? We'll give you a little bit of stipend, um, a little bit of stipend and see if it works. And if it works, we'll offer you a scholarship and, and, and books for, for next year. I'm like, well, yeah, sure. It's like, I'm not going to class. So what else do I got to lose? You know? So, so I kind of stumbled into it and really didn't know what I was doing my first spring doing football. Um, just kind of figured it out as I went and, and apparently it was good enough because they offered me a scholarship and, and a book stipend to come back. Um, for my sophomore year and, and, uh, on the academic side, I almost flunked out of college. Um, and I didn't enroll for my second year of classes because I was on academic probation. My grades were terrible and I didn't know what I was going to do. Was I going to just find a job somewhere, um, go to community college or what? So I ended up changing majors and, uh, went into communications because then I was going to be a TV sportscaster. Um, and, uh, and so I kind of took a little career change there, but I was able to keep my student manager job. And, and so like my, my second and third year in college, it was just continually football, football, football. And because the equipment manager was also the assistant women's basketball coach, um, I owe this guy everything. His name is Jeff Goldstein. He, uh, he gave me basically full-time equipment manager duties as a student manager. So it was... So for me, it's is your second, third year in college is like, okay, you're handling football practice yourself. You know, you're setting up the practice field yourself. You're you're fitting players' equipment yourself. You're you're um you're packing for road trips yourself. You're setting up the sideline yourself. You're setting up the headset yourself, you know. So I was I was very fortunate in that. I got a lot of hands-on experience right off the bat. And I am one that you can teach me to do something until you're blue in the face, but until I'm actually hands-on able to do it myself, that's the only way I learned. Um, so, so as I was going through college, I kept on getting more and more 
um, responsibilities. And I started doing stuff with, with men's and women's basketball and volleyball and, and track and cross country and baseball. They didn't have softball there. They didn't have soccer there at the time either. So I was able to get experience, hands-on experience as a student and full-time experience as a student. Um, so I had real meat to put on my resume when I graduated. Um, so by the time my, so by the time my, um, uh, senior year came by, um, my, my fifth year in college, I was already training my assistant there. Um, uh, or not my assistant, but another student manager. His name is Ryan Dixon. He works at SweatX right now. Um, he, he, he's a team sales manager at SweatX. Ryan and I went to college at Wayne state and, and, uh, and Ryan, Ryan cut his teeth underneath me for, for a year to their Wayne and, and been good friends ever since. So, so I, I was able to train people. I was, I was able to supervise, supervise student managers, um, supervise, uh, student laundry workers as well. So, so I just stumbled into something that I ended up being good at. Um, I was comfortable with it. Um, my communication degree was going, was going well. Um, my last year, um, for my communications degree, I, I interned at the NBC affiliate in Sioux city, Iowa. And I was, I had, my job was to drive around the area, get highlight. I was a cameraman at basketball games, wrestling games, baseball games, getting the highlights, taking them back to the TV station, editing the, the highlight package and writing that the sports anchors voiceover for the newscast that night. Um, that was my internship for three months, the, the, the spring of my last year in college. That's awesome. So, so I, I had to get to a point. I got to a point to where I needed to make a career choice. Am I going to go into TV or am I going to continue with equipment? And, and for me, it was, for me, it was simple because I, I was, I was more comfortable doing equipment. At that point, I had more contacts in, in equipment and athletics than I did in TV. And again, I, I, I just felt more comfortable doing it. Um, I, I was having a good time. So, so I stumbled into a sport management minor in my undergrad as well. And, uh, so then when I graduated, I was sending out resumes left and right. This is when you actually had to send out resumes. You couldn't apply online for it to anything. You actually had to send out resumes on resume papers and cover letters and everything. And I was sending Physically out mail things. Oh, Oh, it was terrible. Oh, so labor intensive <laughs> and, uh, all oh, the good old days. And, <laughs> and so I, I was sending, I was sending stuff out from coast to coast. I didn't care where, if it was a full-time job, if it was an internship, if it was a GA spot, I just wanted an equipment job. And, and I was sending them all over the place. Didn't get any bites, didn't get any leads. So, so Wayne State came back to me and said, Hey, would you want to come back and, and, and get your master's? We'll take care of about 90% of your grad school. And, and you can, you can get it. You can get a second degree. I go, well, if I am, I want to get my master's in sport management. And if I do, I'm only going to be here two semesters and two summer classes because, because some of the master's classes I already took as an undergrad. So, so almost half of my class load was done before I even started grad school. So like, Hey, that's great. Two semesters of you here is better than not having you here at all. I'm like, okay, fine. So, so went back and I was basically a GA equipment manager there at the time. And, and, a new equipment manager slash women's basketball coach was hired and, and she basically left everything to me. 
And which was great because, again, I got more full time experience as a student in GA. Um, so I kind of I kind of saw this as, as they're not pushing stuff down on me. I'm getting real life experience that I can put on my resume. So I was trying to to look at this in the long term, not the short term, you know, Um so, so Ryan, Ryan Dixon was still there. So he was handling football and all that stuff there. And I really wasn't really involved day to day with any sports at that time in grad school. It was more purchase orders, camp orders, uh, apparel orders, that, that type of stuff and kind of supervising everybody. That was my job in grad school. So, so the day, the day I took my comprehensive final exam for grad school, um, again, I'm dating myself. This was a spring late spring, early summer of 1998, um, over the lunch hour that day, I called home to my, and checked my answering machine. Cause back then you had answering machines at home, you know, landlines <laughs> and all of that stuff, you know? So, so good old rotary phones and everything. So, so I got, I got a message that day from, from, uh, the equipment manager at Towson university asking if I wanted to set up a time to do a phone interview. So I had to get out an Atlas to find out where the heck Towson, Maryland was because I was, because I was sending out so many resumes and cover letters, just trying to get something at that point. I had lost track of where I was sending them to, you know? So, so found out Towson was in a suburb of Baltimore. So I'm what, what the heck? It's my only lead at this point. Yeah. A phone interview. And, and apparently I did good enough that they flew me out, flew me out for an in-person interview and, and ended up getting the job. Um, and, uh, so then, so then thousand thousand was my first job out of college. So, so I was there, I was there for one year and I was there from 98 to August of 98 to August of 99. And I was, I was responsible for football, women's basketball, baseball, and women's lacrosse. I'm a flatlander from middle America. I know nothing about lacrosse. Um, because by then it it was just strictly East coast, New England sport. It it didn't get out to middle America. So, Mm -hmm. so I think it was my first day on the job when I was introduced to the, to the, to the the lacrosse coaching staff. I'm like, Hey, I'm sorry to tell you this, but I know absolutely nothing about your sport. I don't know what you need or anything. And they're like, Oh no, no, no problem. We'll teach you. We'll teach you. So, so they were great about it. Um, and I had, um, so Thousand thousand was non scholarship football at the time. Um, about 130 guys on the roster, and I and I did it with myself, and 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 two female managers, and those female managers saved my life. Female managers are the best. They work their butts off. They work their butts off. They love being a part of it, and they don't want to be treated any different, you know. And and it was it was great experience for me because up until that point. Besides having Ryan Dixon at Wayne, I was kind of a one-man show, one-person show. So, so when I got to Towson, it really opened up my eyes. It's like, hey, this is great, you know. Um, then from Towson, I went out to, I went out to University of Cincinnati, and I was an assistant equipment manager there for Jay Bailey. Um, another guy I need to give a lot of credit for because I wouldn't have been, I wouldn't have been able to accomplish anything in my professional career without, without Jay and, and, and learning, learning under him, um, to where at Cincinnati, my sports were basically all the Olympic sports, um, 
no football. I helped out when I could with football, but it wasn't my, it wasn't my, my primary responsibility. So, um, so from Cincinnati, I was there for a year and a half, went out to the Air Force Academy. Um, Dan Sermine hired me and, uh, and, uh, another guy I owe a ton of credit to, um, he taught me so much. Jay taught me so much. Um, anything I've accomplished in my life wouldn't have been possible without those two guys. Um, so at Air Force, my main responsibilities were football and men's basketball. And if you've done a sport at a service academy, it's different um, because because they're not there to play sports and get a scholarship. They're there to serve their country, for one. And two, every every cadet has got to be involved in some sort of physical activity, whether it's a collegiate sport, an intramural sport, a club sport, something. They have to be they have to be involved in some sort of physical activity. So, so a lot of them came out, a lot of them came out for sports in the teams. So my first year there at, at Air Force was, I, I moved out there in February of 01, 2001. And they, um, and my first training camp, we started training camp with 275 guys on the football roster. So Ooh. you're talking, so you're talking basically having two teams at once, essentially. And, and like out of practice, they were kind of split up between three, three, three full football fields, you know, and, and it was, and it was, it was us out there and about 30 to 33, 34 cadet managers out there as well, you know, so it was, it was a lot of work, but again, at Cincinnati Air Force was just like Wayne in that I got hands-on experience. Jay Bailey and, and Dan Sermine just gave me the responsibility and, and, and really let me run with it and let me kind of teach myself. Um, and then, um, and then added to my plate at Air Force, I was also responsible for, for purchasing responsibilities for track, cross country, um, fencing, water polo and boxing as well. Um, so, so 275 guys on a football team, men's basketball had a varsity and JV team. So they were at around their roster was around like in between 40 and 45 guys, um, as well. So, so equipment managers always talk about the fall sports and winter sports overlap when, when, when football was going full bore and then you started men's basketball, you had 270 guys, guys on a football team, then all of a sudden you got to take care of 40 to 45 men's basketball players at the same time. It, it made for some long nights and early mornings, you know, and, uh, and, uh, after air force, I went to Iowa state and that was my first director job. Um, um, I moved there in May of 2003 and, um, and, uh, had a great time, had a great time there. I'm, I'm from Western Iowa originally, and I grew up an Iowa Hawkeye fan and, and, and then I ended up working for Iowa State, and I'll never forget. Everybody has everybody has um, experiences like on a job interview or anything like that. Who's your favorite team growing up? That type of thing. When I was interviewing at Iowa State, um, I interviewed with the men's basketball coaching staff, and one of the basketball coaches. We were in his car driving back to the athletic facility, and he said, "He goes, Troy, honestly, and I want an honest answer." I'm like, "Okay." He's like were you a Hawkeye fan or a Cyclone fan growing up? I'm like, man, if I answer this wrong, I'm not getting this job. And, uh, and I go, and I go, honestly, if you want to know the full fledged truth, like I grew up, like I grew up a Hawkeye fan. 
you're like, ah, oh, nah, don't worry about it. Most people are. I'm like, whew, thank God. <laughs> and, uh, and, and luckily, I ended up getting a job and, and spent almost seven years there. And then I moved back to Cincinnati in 2010 to be the director out there. And I was only there for a year. Moved back to Iowa. And then I was at Drake from 2011 to 2019. To, to the summer of 2019. So, so I've kind of moved around, lived in about three different time zones. And, and like when I talk to, when I talk to sport management classes and, and like student equipment managers and they want, they want advice and they see your career path and, and this, that, and the other. And they just, Hey, do you got any, you got any, you got any bullet points you can give me any, any advice you can give me as I'm starting my career. And I go, the biggest one I can tell you is when you start out, you're going to have to make a choice. You're going to have to make a choice. Do you want to live in a certain area or do you want to move to where the job is? And, and I made the choice. Like, I don't care where the equipment job is. I'm going to have to, I'm going to move to where the job is because I didn't want to, as I was a grad student at Wayne State, I didn't want to tie my hands behind my back trying to get started in this profession. And because in this part of the country, it was, okay, find a job in Nebraska somewhere, in Iowa somewhere, and there's only a few Division One colleges in, in Iowa, Nebraska, in the Midwest. And I didn't, and I knew I wanted to work at a big school. Coming from a small school, that's just something I strive to be. And I wanted to be a head equipment manager, director of equipment within five years of graduating college. I had no idea if that was going to be possible, but, but I'm a goal-driven person and I needed that goal in front of me to work towards. And, and so I tell people like, that's the first piece of advice I can give you is you need to make that decision for you. Cause I was applying, I literally applied for jobs and GAs internships from coast to coast. Um, Larry Hare at Kansas turned me down for, turned me down for an internship at, when he, when he was at Northern Arizona, you know, and, and I bust, I bust Larry's chops about that to this day. You know, <laughs> I, 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 I talked to him a couple of days ago. I busted his chops about that. You know, um, I applied for an internship at Mark Zimmer down at Arizona state. I had no idea who Mark was. I had no idea who Larry was. I just wanted to, I just wanted a job, you know, and, and so without me knowing it, that's kind of how I started networking myself. And who would have known 15, 20 years later, I'd be friends with, with those people that I blindly sent resumes to, you know? And so by the time I left Wayne and when I got my first head job at Iowa State, it was just under five years. It was four, like four years and 10 months or something like that, you know? So I, so I hit that goal, which was great. And that's another th piece of advice I tell people. It's like, have goals for yourself. Whether you think they're attainable or not, have goals, have something to work for. And when you meet that goal, get another goal. You know, it's, it's, everybody's driven by their own things. Everybody's self-motivated in their own way. And for me, it's goals. Like I, I need to set goals for myself. You know, um, I learned, I learned that from Jay Bailey. I learned that from Dan Sermine, you know, ha have goals for yourself and go after them. So that, so, so that's kind of in a roundabout way. That's kind of how I got started. And to put a wrap on everything, I, I stumbled upon it. And I stumbled upon an opportunity to be a student manager and I found something that I was really good at, you know, and I was extremely fortunate for the opportunity that, that the people at Wayne State gave me and that they gave me a lot of experience right off the bat because the hardest job you, you can get is 
your first job. But I had a lot of meat on my resume from from a responsibility standpoint as a student and as as a as a grad assistant that that I couldn't have been I couldn't have got the start I had in the experience I had <clears throat> without without my college without my college hands on experience no way. Yeah, I think I think the, that was the biggest thing that I heard and stayed with me throughout your entire story. There was that you were a small school guy who got full time experience um, and responsibilities as a student. That's not possible for everybody. I know you kids at at Alabama and and you know these big uh, flagship schools in your state. That's not always the an opportunity for you. But the two biggest things I can say from from what you said was one, you need to you need to get that kind of experience. Um, you need to try to market yourself. You need to push your head guy, whoever your director is, whoever your boss is. Hey, I know I'm the helmet guy, and I pack the game helmets into the trunk every week and make sure they're good to go. But I don't. I'm not really learning anything about shoulder pads. Can I? Can you teach me shoulder pad maintenance? Can I get some experience doing this? Especially in the off seasons. If you get into an ebb and flow in a season, I get it. Everyone's got a job to do, and and every equipment room is different. But if you're only learning how to do one thing, it doesn't matter what school you went to. If that's all you know how to do, it's going to hurt you on on a resume. But at the same time, what I say is don't be discouraged because as long as you work hard and you've got people vouching for you and we've said it on here, it's, it's, it's a little bit of who, you know, and, you know, building your network. But if, if you work hard, we're willing as full-time equipment guys and directors, we're willing to teach you anything. If, if we know yeah. you'll and bust your tail and give us everything you got, we can teach you how to fit a kid for shoulder pads. That's not hard. You just got to be willing mm-hmm. to do the work and, and to learn how to do stuff and put in the hours. And, and yeah, I mean, moving, moving across country is never easy and you got to make that decision as a student. Because uh-huh. you may want to settle in the Iowa area or Virginia <laughs> or whatever, but you're going to have to be willing to make a move um, at some point. I mean, I've settled in the southeast, where I'm from, but I lived in Montana for my first full time job. I mean, it just is what it is. And the good and the good thing is, is there's no wrong answer because mm-hmm. it's your choice. You know, if yep. if you just want to live in the southeast, hey, that's great. If Pat, if if Pat just wants to live in, in the Virginia D.C. area. And if that's best for him, if that's what he wants to do, hey, great. For me, it just it just made sense that that I was I was at a small school. I didn't have I didn't come from from a school that people knew. I, I didn't come from a from a name recognition school. So I needed to I needed to get a job. And luckily, it was a FCS one double A job. You know, some people knew Towson because they made the NCAA tournament back in the back in the early nineties. And mm. men's basketball, you know, that's how people knew Towson at the time. Um, and, and Rob Ambrose, their head coach now, he was the offensive coordinator when I was there, you know? So it's, it's, I just needed my foot in the door. That's yep. why I took the Towson job. I just needed that job. Then I went to Cincinnati as an assistant because I felt like I needed that name recognition job then. Like I wanted, I needed to be at a school that people knew when they saw it on a resume when they asked where I was working, they knew what Cincinnati was. Well, then I went to Air Force because I needed the football experience. If I was going to be a director, a head person someday, I needed that hands-on football experience. And Dan gave me that experience there. Well, then all of that led me up to having a chance in my first head job at Iowa State. You know, So it's like I had to move around, but from my background and where I came from at Wayne, like I felt that that was the best choice for me to get to where I wanted to be, you know, and 
going back to what you came from, what you said earlier about, about, hey, we can teach you the job. When I hired anybody, whether it was a student, an intern, a GA, uh, 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 a full-time assistant spot, it's like, I wasn't so concerned about, about your experience and what you did. Yeah, that played a big part in my decision. But what I put a premium on was your work ethic and your personality. Because I can teach you the job. I can teach you how to fit helmets and fit shoes and, and um, fit helmets and all of that. But I can't teach you how to be personable. I can't teach you how to work hard. For me, you either have it or you don't. Um, so for me, the work ethic and the personality thing was as much of a decision maker for me as, as your actual work experience was, you know, and I, I, I was lucky at Iowa state. I had, I had a great group of managers and, and, uh, minus one, minus one, minus one, minus one, minus one, Blake Reed, um, and Jake Rosh and, uh, um, it's, uh, it's, I gave them kind of my management style was I wanted them to enjoy coming to work. So I made it as loose and, and I wanted them to feel like they were a part of the process instead of just being the quote unquote hired help. You know, I wanted, I wanted to give them, I wanted to give them hands-on experience and I wanted them to teach them life skills that they could translate into whatever line of work they wanted to do after college, but do it as they're doing equipment, you know, working hard, getting along with a wide range of people, being responsible, how, how you conduct yourself is a reflection on me. If you look good, I look good. If, if you're doing a bad job, then people look at me as an idiot, you know? Um, and so when I see, when I see the men and women that worked with me be successful in their own line of work, whatever it is, whether it's sports or business or whatever, like that's the most gratifying thing for me is that as little part as I was in their life, they took something from that. You know, they taught, Hey, I couldn't have been where I was when, if you didn't teach me like, like how to, how to deal with, with a wide range of people from players to coaches, from the good player to the difficult player, um, to, to the, to the high maintenance coach, to the ego driven coach, to the laid back coach, you know, um, like that, that gives me more satisfaction than anything. And it's, it's, if you have a strong work ethic and if you can be personable, like you're going to go a long way in whatever you do, whether that's equipment or otherwise. That's, 100% you know my feelings on it it is even you know when when applying for assistant jobs head jobs it comes down to your personality if i'm going to be hiring somebody <laughs> in as a, as an assistant as a student manager i can figure out you know within the first 10 15 minutes your personality and your work ethic and it's not necessarily based on the types of interview questions you ask it's you got to be able to read people and it is the ability to read people, understand a situation, go into any type of room, whether it's a coach, an administrator, or you're around your student athletes. You can treat everybody the same way, but in a different way at the same time. And it's about yeah. building those relationships. I think that makes the biggest difference. And as long as you have somebody who can do that and build those relationships and keep things professional, but as laid back as possible, because that's 
the way I liked to keep my equipment room, then you had a much better chance of being able to work with me just because I knew I could trust you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and for me, that came from my experience because as, as you, as you climb your professional ladder in, in whatever you want to do, learning what not to do is just as important or if not more important than learning what to do. You know, so, so, so there are good things you take away from people that you work with and work around and there's bad things you take away. So as I was, as I was starting my career, I was always making mental notes for myself. Like, Hey, Hey, if I, if I'm, if I ever work in football at a D one school, like I'm going to make sure I do this, or I'm going to make sure that I don't do this. Or especially for me, it was, Hey, if I have, if I have a chance to be a head guy sometime, someday at whatever school, like I'm going to make sure that I'm not like this. And I, and I caught myself telling myself that more than me telling myself, Hey, what, if I'm a head guy somewhere, I want to make sure I do this. For me, it was more, I want to make sure I don't do this. You know, it's like, I never, I never, I never wanted, wanted my people to feel like they're working. I wanted them to have fun. I wanted them to feel like, so when just normal things would something as simple as, Hey, Hey, it's a Saturday night after a game. We got to come in Sunday. We got to get this, this, and this done before practice and walkthroughs. What time do you want to come in? I would make the managers, I want to make my students decide that that way. One that they were taking, they were taking onus on themselves to do it. So they were holding themselves accountable so mm-hmm. they were, so they were starting to be self-motivated and self-driven and, and, and not necessarily peer pressure, but if your peers are helping make decisions and if you feel like you're a part of the process, you're going to, I'm going to feel like you're more vested in what I want to do as a director or as a head person, then, then we're all going to be better and we're all going to make each other look better, you know? And that, and that, and that was my whole thing. And I've just been... I've just been fortunate that that people I've worked with have stayed in stayed in sports, stayed in equipment, um, stayed in the sport management field. You know that it's it's there there is much a reflection on me than I am on them. You know, it, it, it's like you're only as good as the people you work with. And I've just been very fortunate that I've had I've had a great group of men and women that that I've worked with throughout my career. Yeah, I think I think shared ownership, shared responsibilities equals shared values and shared successes. So they're they're buying into what you're you're trying to make as a culture of your equipment room, and and that way when things go well, they feel like they had as much a hand in it as you did. Even though as a director, you might have done ninety percent of the work behind the scenes, but if they showed up and and had control of that ten percent, they feel just as enriched by it. So I think that's huge. Um, I do want to talk about Team Troy. Um, we're going to take it break, <laughs> and then we'll talk about all those great people that you've put into the industry and that have stuck with it. Um, obviously we all have a lot of students who don't stay in the industry who are just as, just as great as student managers. But when we come back, we'll, uh, we'll talk to you some more and, and learn some of the, the goods and the bads of, uh, of team Troy. <laughs> All right, everybody, we are back with Mr. Jepson here, and we're going to talk to him a little bit about Team Troy. Team Troy we're referring to is, is the list of uh, people who are still working in sports who 
Troy don't want to take credit for, but played a part in that uh, they were student managers under him at one point. So Troy, tell us a little bit about um, some of the students who have worked for you. You can start with your favorite. You can pick favorites if you want, uh, but just kind of, kind of the, the depth of what being a student manager can lead you to. It, it was when I, when I got to Iowa state as a director of equipment, I wanted to create an environment that whether they wanted to go into equipment or not, it was, I didn't hire them because I thought they would be good equipment managers. I hired them because I thought they were good people that would work hard, that had a good personality and, and would be a success in whatever they wanted to do with their life. And I was just fortunate that, that the people that I had worked with me was, they, they did stay in sports. A lot of them stayed in sports. Some of them didn't, and that's great, but a lot of them, but a lot of them still did. And I never, I never told, I never told my managers, I never told my staff that, that you work for me. It was always, and I don't know if you've talked, I don't know if you've picked up on it yet, but I always tell that, like I worked with, you know, I, I never wanted them to like see the hierarchy in, in the equipment room is like, Hey, I'm the boss. I never wanted them to see me as a boss. I wanted them to see me. I wanted them to view themselves as, as an equal of me. So again, that came to, they're going to feel more vested and they're, they're going to be, they're going to take more ownership in their actions in their, in their, um, in their experience in the room and in their time that we had together that, I never referred to them as, 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 Hey, I'm the boss and, and you're the student is like, no, we work together. And, and to this day it's like, Hey, former managers, Hey, we work together. Hey, this is Jake Ross at Arkansas. He and I work together at Iowa state. Hey, this is Blake Reed at Riddell. We work together at Iowa state. This is Nick Detterman at army. We work together at Iowa state. You know, it's, it's, I, that, that's just me as a person. I never wanted to be like on a power trip is like, Hey, Hey, they work for me as a student manager. No, it's like, we work together. You know, I couldn't have done what I did without them. And, and I couldn't have accomplished what I have accomplished without them. You know, you guys make me look good. And, and I was just lucky that I had a lot of, a lot of good men and women that, that, that like stating equipment, you know, like my first intern at Iowa state, Nick Detterman, he's, He's the assistant AD for equipment out in army, you know, um, um, I was a reference for him on the, on the, on the job interview, you know, um, and, and luckily his first year out at army his his first or second year out at army, Iowa state played out there, you know? So it's, it, it's, it's great to see the success that all these people have had, you know, it's like, it's like, uh, it's like Chris Oren, um, he graduated Iowa State in like three years. He's the director of equipment in James Madison. You know, Jake Rosh, director of football down at down in Arkansas. Um, uh, Zach Smith, head equipment manager at Northern Iowa, um, and uh, Jake's wife Megan works in the business office. She's the business ops coordinator down in Arkansas. You know, uh, Megan, Jake's wife Megan was a manager for me as well. They met in the equipment room at Iowa State and started dating when they were in there. You know. Um, um, my old, and my, my intern at, at Drake, who I ended up hiring full-time assistant, Tim Lowe, he's a head equipment manager at, at South Dakota state. Um, Dave Simmons, he was a student manager for me at Cincinnati when I was a director out there. He's a media sales planner at the NFL. Um, Alex Janowick, she was a student manager at Iowa state. She's the manager of guest services and diamond suites at the Chicago White Sox. 
Um, Dan Sermine hired one of my former interns at Drake as an assistant equipment manager at Air Force, Jason Seidman. You know, I, I already mentioned um, Ryan Dixon. He's a he's the he's one of the national managers for Sweatex. You know, um, Blake Reed. He was he was an assist. He was a, a student manager for me at, at Iowa State. He's a key account manager at Riddell now. Um, um, and then Drew Bly. He was a student manager for me at at Iowa State. He's a associate product manager for hard goods at Riddell. And 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 Drew did an internship at the Seattle Seahawks and and was an assistant equipment manager out there for years. And and there was one year, I think it was a 2015 season, um, the Seahawks are playing up at Minnesota and and we were living back in Iowa at the time and and he asked if I wanted to come up and, and help out. I'm like, well yeah, sure. So 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 like my relationship with Drew wasn't on a former boss, former manager level. It was like a peer level. And, and so, so I got to be around a couple games with the Seahawks, you know, and, uh, um, Chris Oren, Chris Oren again at, at, uh, at James Madison, you know, uh, uh, Danny Halgo, he was a student manager for me my last year at Iowa state. He's assistant commissioner for the Iowa community college athletic conference. You know, um, that's, that's just a few Mike Conrad. He was a student manager at Iowa state. Um, he was then he was a GA at Arkansas. He got into coaching. Um, he was a coaching GA at Arkansas. Now he's a defensive coordinator at at um, at a at a Division two school down in down in Oklahoma. You know, so it's it's not just equipment. It's just like these people have been have went from college into adulthood, and they've been successful in their own right. <clears throat> and I'm not going to take credit for it at all. I just wanted them to walk away with some life skills, you know, into whatever that they could translate into whatever they did. Hard work, responsibility, personality, um, all those types of things. I just did it while they were working with football equipment, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, it was, it's, it's just a huge point of pride for me. And, and whenever I talk about my career, like I always mention team Troy, because that's what I get the most, that's what I get the most pride in. And I don't know if it's just me getting older and, and me getting more emotional and stuff like that. It's just, I'm just so happy of what they've, what they've grown into and in men and women in their own lives and starting their own families and being successful in their own careers is, is a huge thing for me. Yeah. I mean, I will say this. It's, it seems like anybody that uh, crossed paths with you or was able to to work with you throughout your career has, has gone on to, to be, you know, pretty successful in life. It's a, uh, it's a testament to you and just, you know, the, the types of people you surrounded yourself with and the different things you were able to accomplish with those guys around you. So, I mean, that's, that is awesome. I do have one gripe with you though. <laughs> just one. And, yeah. Just, just one. It, it ended up causing me a lifetime of problems, but uh-huh. I know for a fact that you helped Blake Reed, uh, get the job at Cincinnati which in turn ended up um, causing Blake to hire me to work for him. So had yeah. you not helped Blake, I probably would have never worked at Cincinnati. So I blame you yeah. for, for ruining my life and introducing that man into my life. Um, yeah. Yeah. I, again, if, if, if I could get into my DeLorean and go back in time, um, I, I would have helped with that. But, you know, it's, it, was, it was one of those things. I was at, I was at Drake at the time. 
um, when Cincinnati was looking and, and my old supervisor there, Omar Banks, he's now the, he's now the AD at Campbell. Guy's and, the man. Yes. And he, uh, great guy. And he, uh, and he talked to me and he's like, Hey, Hey, what do you think about Blake? He's like, well, of course I lied and said he was a great guy and everything like that. But, uh, <laughs> but, um, I just, I, I, I just, I, hope he listens just to this. I just, I just, I just told him what I thought. And, and then at the end of the conversation, Omar says like, Troy, what would you like, what would you like to, what would you like to see happen? And I go, well, honestly, I would like to at least see him get, get an on-campus interview, like be a finalist for a job. Because at that time, Blake was an assistant out in army under Nick Detterman. Mm -hmm. Um, because Nick was my first intern at Iowa state. So his intern year was Blake's first season there. Um, like, like his first fall there as a freshman. So, so, um, um, Blake was with Nick for a few years up to that point when Cincinnati was looking and I told Omar, I was like, I would, I would like to at least see him be a finalist and get an on-campus interview. And Omar's like, Oh, don't worry, Troy, he's going to, he's going to be a finalist, you know? So, so in the, in the, I helped in, I don't know if I helped at all. It was more of a, Hey, Hey, Blake, Jake, Megan, whoever drew it's you've done the work you prepared yourself for this opportunity um so it's not me helping you it's you reiterating to them what you already are and what you've already accomplished you know um it's i i tell i tell people all the time it's like trust your knowledge you know it's like trust your knowledge and don't be nervous in a job interview it's like what's a job interview besides you just talking about yourself and who knows you better than you you know so so just talk about yourself and and trust your knowledge and tell them what you know. You know, it's like you've done the work, you've done the prep work to be a candidate for this job. Now, now the rest is up to you. That's how I look at it. Yeah, I think for sure. I mean, it's never it's never personal um, when you don't get jobs. A lot of times, it's it's just how well or or not well, I guess you click with with who's the hiring manager. And sometimes you just don't mesh well personality wise. Doesn't mean you're not good enough to do that job. Doesn't mean you wouldn't be amazing at it. Um, mm -hmm. It's just you didn't click well. And yeah. that's that's what I've been told by a lot of my supervisors was they don't they know you can do the job by your resume. It's more, you know, about how how well do I think I can put up with you for for long periods of time in season. Yeah, yeah. And they say people say all the time it's not what you know, it's who you know. Well, I'll take it a step further. It's not what you know or who you know; it's who knows you, yeah. and, and and that kind of goes back to your to like some more advice you give newcomers in the profession is network, 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 network. Because somebody who you meet today may hire you tomorrow for a job. So, my first when I was at Towson, my first job out of college, my first AEMA convention was in Charlotte, North Carolina, in 1999. Just in passing, I ended up meeting Dan Sermine um, in, in, in the hotel lobby. I didn't know who Dan was. Dan didn't know who I was. He saw me wearing a Towson shirt, and Dan worked at Towson a few years before I was at Towson. And then two years later, Dan hired me as an assistant at Air Force. So you, you just don't know who you're going to cross paths with that will give you a job down the road or may help you get a job down the road. So... So if I wouldn't have, if I wouldn't have 
met Dan in the lobby of the Charlotte Hotel in 1999, my career path could have been totally different. I have no idea, you know. So it's it's just network, network, network. Yeah, absolutely. And that's something that <clears throat> we did that series with with student managers. And one of the things we did tell them was, the, you know, the, the two main things, network, mm-hmm. like always, if, if it's through social media, if it's at convention, try to go to any convention you can go to or get together of equipment managers, whether it be like the Douglas Summit things or <laughs> like your district meetings, whatever it may be. Mm-hmm get together with people and talk to them because mm-hmm. every single equipment manager loves to talk shop. And if they know you, then it's only mm-hmm. going to help you, you know, later in, in your career. And the other one was just, you know, ask a million questions. Don't hesitate to ever ask questions. You know, and I'm yeah. sure like, you know, as both of you guys have <coughs> student managers right now or not right now, but both of you guys have experienced having student managers and they ask you a, a, a thousand questions a day mm-hmm. and it, you know, it's and, it's a good thing. Whenever they're engaged and they're wanting to know things, as long mm-hmm. as it's not the same question over and over again, if they're engaged and wanting to know things, then you know that's mm-hmm. somebody that I can I know I can rely on. And and for me, it was all about being invested in in learning a job too. Because one thing I always told my managers and even my assistants was in my interns, if you don't understand why I'm doing something, ask me. Because if you understand my thinking and and my process and why I want things done a certain way, then then you're going to understand it and, and you can anticipate things better and you can learn more. Hey, it may not make sense to you, but it makes sense to me. And and I wasn't I wasn't a micromanager or anything. So another thing I preached was was think on your own. It's it's. This is what I want the finished product to look like and what I want it to be. How you get from point A to point Z, I could care less. Yep. Do what makes sense for you. But when you get to point Z, I want it to be how I need it to be. So again, just a simple life skill is like, hey, okay, I have this goal here. This is how Troy wants it done, but he's leaving it up to me to figure out how to do it. Think on the fly. Learn on your feet. Teach yourself things. Um, Problem that, solving. Yes, that was just... That was just uh, a personality thing that helped me when I was their age was that hands-on experience and not being told rigidly how to do things. I didn't want them to be a robot. I wanted them to think on their own. I wanted them to be grown men and grown women. And I always told them, it's like, I'm going to treat you as an adult until you show me that you can't be treated as an adult. And yep. I've been very fortunate in that, in that they never – all of my managers never showed me that they couldn't be treated as an adult, you know? So it's, it's, Hey, we're all in this together. Nobody's above anybody. You know, I'm going to be as hands-on, I'm going to be as hands-on as much as I can, because my mindset was, you're going to respect me better if you see me helping you out. And you're going to respect me better when I can honestly tell you, I'm not going to ask you to do anything that either I haven't done myself or I haven't taught myself how to do, you know, sometimes I can't do it because as a director, as an assistant, whatever there's sometimes I can't help you, but it's not because I don't want to do it. And then I'm just pushing, pushing work down on you, you know? So that's just, that's just something I did that just helped make for a good, I thought made for a good environment in, in, in the rooms we were working in together. I think it definitely does. And that's, that's huge in preparing 
these kids for life after college. I mean, that's the like it, a lot of kids. You call it helicopter parenting, whatever. But especially in today's day and age, what I'm noticing is a lot of kids come in as freshmen and they don't know how to do things on their on their own. You know, mom and dad have done things for them. They mom and dad help them find their classes or, or pick out where they were going to live or. You know, they're still asking for permission from mom and dad for stuff. It's like you realize you're living on your own. You're you're 18 now. This is this is the real world. You're still taking classes. It may feel similar to your high school experience, but you're not there anymore. So, in in having that job as an equipment manager and having a boss who will empower you to do things on your own and figure things out, you're preparing these kids for what's next. And and I think that's huge. I mean, I've got an assistant now who never had a job in equipment. He is older. Um, he, he was in, in that he's not fresh out of college, but one of the first days on the job, it was, hey, we got all these shoes in. We need them organized on the shelf. It needs to be cleats with cleats, you know, Pegasus with Pegasus. I need mm-hmm. them by size and I need to be able to walk in here, look at, see what I need, find it, you know, quickly and go. And that was the only direction he got. And it only took him about an hour and, and you mm-hmm. know, hundreds of, of shoes organized and it was problem solving. And if you don't have that, when you come out of college, doesn't matter what job you go into, you've got to be able to find the path from point A to point B. Cause it's not always going to be a straight line. Yeah. And, and apparently we did okay together um, because some of them went into equipment as, as their profession, as their livelihood, you know? So, so it's, it's, I never take credit for their success. I was just able to see them start and how they were when they were freshmen and sophomores in college and how they are now is is adults and it's it, it's just very satisfying to me, you know. I think it's I never I'll never be offended if someone that works for me doesn't want to get into equipment. Um I've got a student manager who graduated and got a job, full-time job with IBM right out of college and he's you know, making more money than I could ever imagine making. Like he's, he's very successful and he will let you know he's very successful. He's a great kid, but he didn't want to get an equipment and I don't blame him. Um, mm-hmm. But I think that's, that's a huge compliment. If you're doing something and you're creating a, a culture in a equipment room where it's so fun and the kids enjoy showing up for work that they want to do what you do when they're done. I think, I think that's a huge compliment to, to what you've done. And I know, I know you're being modest. You don't want to take any credit for it, which is, which is good. Like you said, they make us look good, but it, mm-hmm. it, it is a huge compliment to you and, and to the equipment rooms that you've run, that you've got so many people in the sports world that, that want to do, you know, what they did with you. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just, it was, I didn't, I didn't go into it. Um, with uh with a set out mentality to be that way it just when i i always treated people how i wanted to be treated as an assistant before i even got to iowa state my first head job so like all the cadet managers at 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 air force or the student managers at at cincinnati or or or, or my or my female managers at towson it was i'm going to treat you how i would want to be treated as a student manager. And so then when I got to Iowa State, I looked back at my time as an undergrad in G at Wayne and I'm like, okay, what did I what was my experience there that helped me the most? And it was not being not being force fed something, not being not being in a rigid environment to where I was scared to do something. Um 
I told them, I told my students all the time, never, I'm not going to be afraid if you screw up and make a mistake. Mistakes happen. But if you make a mistake, I want you to do it at a hundred miles an hour, full speed ahead, you know, um, to where, to where, Hey, we all make mistakes. We're going to learn from them. We're going to move on. And that's, I made more mistakes than I had successes at Wayne state as a, as a, as a student manager, you know, and I wanted to have that same mentality when I got my first head job was that, Hey, I want it to be a learning experience, but I want them to have fun at the same time. Cause again, I could teach them the job. That's a piece of cake. Um, I can teach them how to pack a truck and, 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 and how to clean helmets and do helmet maintenance and shoulder pad maintenance and clean shoes and do all that stuff, set up a locker room. I can do all of that. I can't teach you to be a hard worker. I can't, I can't teach you to have a good personality and get along with your coaches, with your position coach good and, and have a great relationship with, with all the players in your position group. You know, I can't teach them that you either have it or you don't. Um, so I just wanted to make the environment as fun as I could to make them be as relaxed as they can, because, because a confident manager is a great manager, you know, and, and they can carry that with them for the rest of their lives. Yeah. I mean, that's, I don't think anybody could have put it any better than that, what you just did. Um, I want to transition a little bit cause we kind of talked about this in between the break and I think it's cool and it's just, you know, it's a different way of doing things and everybody has their own style of how they do things in the equipment room. But you said that, um, obviously like early on in your career, you were, you were a pen and paper kind of guy, but you know, as you were, you know, wrapping things, not necessarily wrapping things up, but like, as you were really getting into the thick of it at Drake, you said you kind of transitioned to more like cloud-based stuff and you were like mm-hmm. fully, fully embracing technology to where you guys weren't doing anything on pen and paper at all. Yeah. And when I was, when I was an assistant at Cincinnati in 1999, Jay Bailey was the first one that really taught me how to use Excel sheets. And that was my first real, real interaction and experience with equipment and, and learning how to use computers for like file storage and, and that type of thing. Having your, having your, your game travel packing list on Excel and, and game day rosters on Excel and that type of stuff. And I just kind of stuck with that and just kept doing that throughout my career. Um, and then it was probably about, probably about 20, 2014 or 2015. Um, I really started looking at technology cause I was at Drake and, and Tim Lowe was my, what was in his intern year, um, at the time. And I just started looking at what, how can we use technology to make our jobs better? And, and first I just started with one aspect of, of the operation and I was like, Hey, there's gotta be a way, way for me to sign invoices electronically and submit them to the business office so I can get it to them faster. Just one little aspect of, of the operation that I started with and it worked out great. So then over about the next year or two, we slowly started starting implementing more, more aspects of cloud computing into our daily operation to where like after year two, we were a hundred percent paperless. And, and stick talked about it a couple of weeks ago. Hey, he's, he's a pen and paper guy or, or pencil and paper guys. Like, Hey, that's great. Again, there's no one way to do this job. No. And, and if you're a pen and paper person, Hey, that's great. If it works for you, that's great. That's fantastic. Um, I was always a pen and paper person as well. And, 
and I'm a note taker and I like taking notes. That way I, I always have a point of reference for something. But I just got to a point personally that that stretched out between multiple buildings on campus. I, I needed to use technology to help me to help me do my job better. And I needed to be more mobile in my job and not tied to a desk like I was before. And so that's when I started using really utilizing Google Drive, Dropbox, um, PDF editors, and and uh, Google Sheets and Google Docs and that type of stuff to where, um, to where when, by the time I left Drake in 2019, we were probably about four years deep and did 100% cloud operation, you know? And something as simple as it was a transparency thing for me, I could share whatever files I wanted to with coaches. We had all our, all the artwork that we would use for for decorating apparel and uniforms on Google Drive and every sport was subscribed to that artwork so they could see everything that everything that we had from an artwork library um so they could never have so they would never have to hunt me down to find something and it was it was when I would submit the invoices electronically I would share that invoices folder on Google Drive with that coach or with that sport to where they would see not only was I emailing the invoice to the business office, I would also CC my sport liaison as well with that invoice. So they were seeing every invoice that I was submitting. So they can never come back and say, hey, Troy, like we, why is this coming out of our budget? Um, I also started a budget tracker, which is basically reconciling your checkbook to where it was it was a Google sheet with with each sport having a sheet there that I would log every invoice that I would submit and kind of what that invoice was. And at the top of the Excel sheet was basically their starting balance or their starting budget for the year. And at the end of every month, I would just send the sport, just the updated budget tracker for their sport so they could be proactive with their budget. Because I was, I was always getting hammered in March, April, and May with sports being being close to their budget is like, Hey, what can we cut back? What can we cut back? It's like, no offense coach, but we need to have this conversation in October and November when we can be proactive with your budget. Cause by the time you get to March, April and May, it's too late to fix your budget. Um, so it was, nobody else was doing that at the time. Um, um, but the job needed to be done. So shoot, I just, I just started doing it. You know, nobody asked me to do it. I just started doing it. And, and it's, just being proactive and I use technology to help me do that. And, and the sports and the coaches were very appreciative of that because, because they could spend money on what they needed to and, and administration appreciated it because it made everybody physically responsible as well. You know, so it's, it, it would have been a lot more difficult for me to do that with pen and paper. Um, but it was good because it was something that worked for me that may not work for everybody. But hey, if it works for you, it works for you. You know, if it makes sense for you to do it a certain way, do it that way. That's fine. You know, it's again, there's not there's no one way to do this job. Everybody has their own quirks and their own tricks. And for me, it was just is just utilizing te- the technology and the apps and the platforms that we could use just made it so much faster for me to do. Yeah, and it helps you with transparency, and that's kind of the biggest thing, too. You always have that communication and the ability for your coaches to get on and see something quickly, and they don't even have to come see you about it. So you 
can can take care of a lot of different things and also focus on a lot of the daily stuff in your equipment room without having coaches come down to ask to see invoices or do different things. It's mm-hmm. it's right in front of them at all times. And that that makes a big difference. But like you said, everybody has their own way of doing things and you know there's really no right or wrong way and a lot of it comes down to uh, the the amount of time you have and just what you're comfortable with and mm-hmm. you know do what works for you and as long as you can do the job well and and you know take care of the things you need to take care of then mm-hmm. you don't need to change yeah and one and one problem i had that i had to deal with when i first started at drake was transparency because the sports had a feeling that they didn't know where their stuff was going in and out of the room. Um, and that wasn't necessarily something that you could just change one thing about the whole process and, and fix that relationship. But for me, being moving to the cloud to where I could easily share files and making it more accessible to each individual sport and each individual area that we bought stuff for, that helped me with the transparency issue that, that, that I had to battle. And, and when you're, for me, when they showed that I was transparent in what I was doing, then it just built that trust factor between the sport and you even more. And again, more than it needs to be. This job is hard enough as it is um, in certain aspects. So I just needed to make it as easy as I could. Um, work smarter, not harder was what was the mentality I, I, I kind of took at that point. Why run? Why try run through that wall every single day when I when I can use the cloud to help me to help me do that a little better? And there's always a better way to do something. So I was I've always um, kind of tried to find a new way or a better way, more efficient way to do what I've always done um, because I didn't want to keep doing it the same way just because that's how I've always did it. There's got to be a better way to do it. Um, and going back to my going back to the student managers that I worked with, it was, I, I always told them all the time, it's like, Hey, if you have a better way to do it, let me know. And we'll try it that way. And if it's better then it's better, you know? So again, that was kind of my mentality all along, but it also kind of taught them is like, Hey, it's okay to hear different ideas. You know, it, it's okay. Don't, don't be so, I never wanted to be so prideful that I couldn't take advice. It's like, Oh, Troy, like, it it takes us two hours to do it your way, where it takes us forty five minutes to do it this way, and we still and, and we still achieve the same result. You know, it's it's don't be don't be too vain that that that, that you can't take advice from people. You know, so um, there's always a better way to do things, and I tried it this way, and like I still do it this way. I don't know if I could. I don't know if I could go back to pen and paper. I really couldn't. You know, but hey, it works for me. It's not for everybody. Yeah, and I will say, stick stick did get. Did uh stick? I know you're listening. You've probably been waiting for ten minutes for someone to to speak up. He did say on Twitter, "Hey man, I know how to use a spreadsheet. It goes from pen and paper to the spreadsheet." And I Absolutely. think that's, that's the that's the end of today's equipment world. But when you see you know people like Dana at Auburn using the the RFID scanners this year for inventory and their stuff as it comes in and just the different things that are happening with technology. You know, we had Josh Meyer talking about helmet tracker on here and all the stuff they do. I think you're going to see, um, and you both can speak to this too, uh, being reps, just like reps have had to transition probably before equipment guys really have. Um, if you don't know how to use technology to your benefit, you're going to fall behind in this industry. 
And you're going to have to, I mean, uh, a lot of people probably say, yeah, we went through that 10 years ago. Welcome to the club with, with emails and everything else. But mm-hmm. I think with the new stuff that's coming out and inventory tracking and, and taxation that's spreading around the country for, for these, these college programs and their gear and stuff. And, you know, now RFID scanners and are we going to have coach to, to player communications at the college level? Just the different things that you're going to have to keep up with from a, from a technology standpoint. If you could get in on the ground level now and really teach yourself some of the basics, like the cloud, which is a relatively new concept, and and some of these inventory management systems that a lot of smaller schools haven't used that widely, you're, you're probably going to need it 10 years from now and have to have it. So you might as well try to get in now and, and take your time teaching yourself. Technology is not going anywhere. No. It's not. You know, it's, it's, it's only going to get more than, <clears throat> than, than what it is right now. And it's... It's being progressive in your thinking, it's just like learning learning new technology for a new helmet that came out, or learning the functionality of a new shoulder pad that came out, and why they're why they're incorporating incorporating this type of foam or this type of cushioning or whatever in there. It's a it's the same mindset. You're learning about new technology in a helmet and shoulder pads. Well, you can also learn about new technology on how to do how to do like how to do your job, whether that's invoice reconciliation or inventory management or checking out equipment or, or, or simple ordering on B2B sites and, and all those types of things. Like my current job at, at BSN sports, that technology background has helped me when the pandemic started because we had to move to, Hey, we're, you're not going to be able to get into high schools and college campuses to visit people. So you're going to have to do it virtually. Well, if you're not familiar with with basic tech, basic technology stuff, getting on a Zoom or getting on a Skype or getting on a Teams call or something like that, um, creating PDFs to send out, like you need that to do your job now. And and just like right here in Iowa, um, high schools are school districts in general are starting to starting to go 100% online now because because the because the positivity rate's so high here in the state, we're not going to be able to get into high schools anymore. And for the time being, so it's like, okay, how do we do our job um, now? You can't say, hey, the school's closed. We can't do our job. No, it's like, get on a Zoom call, get on a Teams call, Skype with them, stuff like that. Um, use your email. Use your use your PDF editors. Do do all the stuff you can normally do because because you don't necessarily need to be in your school every other day or, or once a week anymore to do your job now, especially in these times, you have to, you have to be progressive in your thinking and you need to, you need to adapt and be flexible to the, to the changing environment around you. And, and I thought I kind of got in on the ground floor with technology and kind of taught myself cause I'm not a computer wizard at all, just self-taught in a lot of different things that, that that's really helped me, helped me in the COVID world that we're all living in right now um, to where, Hey, I don't have to drive to five hours to go to Brookings, South Dakota to visit with Tim Lowe about something, you know, it's like, I can do it on a zoom call in 10 minutes and be done, you know? So it's, it's using tech, using the technology and to help you do your job smarter, not necessarily harder. There's nothing wrong with grinding. Now everybody grinds, all equipment managers grind, you know, and, 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 and sticks, my guy sticks, my guy, I love him to death. And, uh, um, 
if I ever met somebody that's more of a connoisseur of music than I am, it's my guy stick, you know? <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's, we, we, we all embrace technology in our, in our own way. Some of us do it more than others, but, but at the end of the day, all equipment managers embrace technology in some form or fashion, whether it's an inventory system or cloud computing or, or an app on your phone or your tablet, whatever. Yeah, I mean, sticks, sticks, daily prayers, and, and music posts. I think are, are well known at this point. I think we might have to shift focus and try to find um, somebody out there who doesn't have something nice to say about stick. But that episode, <laughs> thing uh, I have. good luck, it's good not, luck. Not. That episode and and this one especially are are giving you the best of both worlds. Where where sticks sticks kind of utilizing the pen and paper with the spreadsheets. And then you're on the other side of it, uh, utilizing the the cloud and the the technology to to a greater level than than I think we've we've heard from on this podcast so far. So I definitely think that's where we're moving. Um, personally, me, I'm not a computer whiz, but I like to think I'm pretty good with them. And I still I see it as man, this is going to be hard to try to change how even me in my young career I've always done things. So I know there's there's guys who are older than me out there. Who are who are just going to keep with the pen and pad, and that, and that's fine. I think for you young equipment managers out there, if you're not good with a computer, at least within your equipment room, get good with it. And I was I was that way too when I started when when Tim and I started kind of setting up the cloud operation. It's it's how in the heck am I going to change something that I've done the same way for 15 years at that point, you know? And I had to rationalize it to myself from the standpoint of. I'm doing the same job and I'm still keeping track and still keeping the same files of everything that I've always done. I'm just doing it differently. Instead of having files in a filing cabinet or on my desk or, or walking hard copies of invoices to the business office, I'm just emailing them now. I'm just downloading them to, to Google Drive or, or Microsoft OneDrive or something like that or Dropbox. You know, I'm still keeping the same files and still still doing the same stuff from an invoice reconciliation inventory standpoint, everything like that. I'm just using programs and apps and platforms and devices to do it now. That's how, that's how I rationalized it to myself. And, and I never looked back. Um, some people just have a hard time doing it and you know what? That's okay. Yep. That's okay. Don't, don't take what, what I'm doing and try to implement it when, when it doesn't make sense for you, you know, do how, do it, do the job, how it makes sense to you. You know, there's nothing wrong with listening to advice and hearing how another person does it. I always want to hear how other people, how other people do things. And if they can do it better than I can, well, then I'm going to try it their way. And if it works better for me, then, Hey, great problem solved, you know? So, so that's one thing, hopefully the listeners can take away from it is like, Hey, Troy has his own way of doing things. Stick has his own way of doing things, but you know what? Both of them are right. Neither of them are wrong. You know, it just what makes sense for stick makes sense for stick. And what makes sense for me makes sense for me. And you had Tyler on last week, I think it's like what makes sense for Tyler makes sense to Tyler, you know, and and like it is what it is. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't know uh, if there's like you said, if there's really any way, right way to do something, it's, you know, what what works best for you. But uh, what I do want to say is. I really appreciate you coming on here and talking with us. I know you and I have have gotten to know each other, you know, a lot better over the past year. Um, uh-huh. And it's been, you know, to be honest, it's been awesome getting to know you and, and 
working with you and, and doing the different things we've, we've been able to do together. And, um, you know, it's, it's, you know, just, a, it's a pleasure to, to get to know you and, and have you on mm-hmm. here and, you know, be able to be able to call you a friend. So I want to yeah, thank absolutely. you for your time, man. Absolutely. It's been, it's been great to be on here and, and to talk shop and like, I love the profession. I love, I love, I love equipment and, and I always will. And, and we're a fraternity, you know, it's, it's, we all, you're either an equipment manager or you're not, you know, and, and what's, what's helped me in my new job at BSN is, is like when an equipment manager calls me for something, they needed it yesterday, you know, and, and just to have that mindset kind of puts their mind at ease that they, that, that they understand it, you know, and, and like one last point I would make is, is to you young people as you're out networking, not only does networking include like introducing yourself to people and stuff like that? Go around and see other equipment rooms. Go around and, and see and see other operations. See how they see how they work day to day. Um, um, I was fortunate um, that I was able to to back in the late two thousands um, help out Tony Medlin and the Chicago Bears at at a couple rookie mini camps in their first first mandatory OTA as a full squad and. And I was at Iowa State at the time, and it was my first first experience in an NFL equipment room. And a lot of the things that Tony was doing, and his mentality, and how how he did things, were the same things that I was doing at Iowa State. So I walked away saying, you know what? If it's if it's good enough for Tony, and if it's good enough for the Chicago Bears, then then I must be like on the right track and in, in, in doing the right things. And then. When when Drew Bly was at the Seattle Seahawks and he invited me to a couple games up in up in um, up in Minnesota in 2015 2016, um, seeing how Eric Kennedy at the Seahawks and his staff did things and how they were they're 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 a progressive organization progressive progressive city and they how they were doing things there was kind of what I was doing at at little old Drake. And it's like, you know what, if it, if it's good enough for the Seattle Seahawks and if it's good enough for Eric Kennedy and Drew Bly, you know what, it's, it's, it's good enough for Troy Jepson and Drake, you know? So it's get around, see other, see other rooms. Like every, every equipment room has an open door policy. I'm sure it's like, we, we love to talk shop with other people and, and it's like, Hey, you Hey, you want to stop in and see things? Hey, great. That's fine. Um, we'd love to have you. Um, um, nothing's really secretive except how, how sticks, how stick breaks and game balls, you know, but, but, <laughs> other, but, but other than that, it's, it's, we, we like to share knowledge with each other, you know? So, so just, just seeing how other people do things will either reaffirm what you're currently doing or, or help you help you come up with better ways to do things. Yeah. I'm speechless. A lot, lot to add there, Scott. <laughs> I'm, I'm speechless just because I'm, I'm processing and I'm thinking about it all. Um, but I, I think that the the biggest thing for me that I've I've really been embracing is throughout this podcast we have heard a lot of different ways to do things, and I've worked for several different really good uh, bosses in the equipment world. And I you think you learn everything? Um, not Patrick. You think you learn um, every way there is to do things when you work at a few different places. And every week we come on here, and I hear of you know someone that's doing something different that I would have never thought to have done it that way. Um, so it's, it's just, I'm taking a lot in, but it is true that 
equipment managers do like to share their secrets. And that's been the coolest thing to me in that it's there's not one right way to do things, but there's always a better way to do it. And mm-hmm. and you're gonna, it it could be a student that you know comes uh, or a student intern and goes to the NFL, and the way their college equipment room did it is better than the way the NFL guys have been doing it. They'll change the way they pack pack their you know hoodie trunk. I mean, it's mm-hmm. it could literally come from anywhere, and and I'm getting hit in the face with that every week. I feel like so it's uh it's humbling. <laughs> Some sometimes you feel like you're drinking from a water hose, and and you know what? That's okay. You know, you'll, you'll, you'll retain things at your own pace and, and you'll learn things at your own pace. And, and again, it's just finding what works for you and finding what makes sense for you. And if you can rationalize it in your own mind, why you think that's a better way to do it? Well then, Hey, that's all that matters, you know? Um, and, and then when you get to a point to where you're the boss and you have assistants and student managers, working with you and then it's your point okay if you need it done a certain way hey it makes sense for you okay well guess what now you got to make it make sense for them your your staff it's got to make sense for your staff as well um Mm -hmm. because if they don't understand why you're doing it this way well then they're they're not going to be vested in learning why to do it that way you know um so everybody has their own leadership skills everybody has their own has their own way to way to way to do things and way to teach people things. And I just hopefully shared a couple of mindsets that I've had that I thought was, was good and, and worked well for me. Yeah. Well, <clears throat> we definitely are going to be walking away from this having, uh, learned something and, you know, that's, that's beneficial to us and, you know, all the people that you were able to work with minus, uh, Blake Reed, that is, um, I'm sure, can uh can say great things about about working with you but we don't we don't say anything nice about blake here um, <laughs> just just so everybody knows we tried to get Blake to come on the podcast at one point and he uh he he has yet to come on he we tried to have him be one of our first guests on here but uh well maybe well maybe this will this will give him the opportunity to set the record straight and in a, a little bit of peer pressure you know, you know, I, I I set the bar pretty low for him, so so he could he could come on next week and just knock it out of the park and look like a hero compared to what you've heard me talk about for the last hour or so. So it's it's you know you never know. You 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 don't know with him, so you never know what you're gonna get. But, he told uh-huh. me he was fine to come on. He just didn't want to have to sit in front of Patrick on camera for an hour. Well, can you blame him? Well, Not. yeah, I wouldn't want to sit here either. After after having uh, had me work for him for two years, I wouldn't want to sit across. You know. Uh-huh. Enough is enough. Yeah, exactly. Yep. But again, Troy, thank you so much for your time, man. We're gonna uh, we're gonna sign off here, guys. Uh, looking forward to um, getting this one out there so you guys can hear it. And we had so much fun talking with you, Troy. We appreciate you taking your time out of your day, meeting with us. But uh, that's, I think that's gonna be gonna be it for us, guys. Hey, it's it, it's been great. Thanks for having me on. Um, really appreciated the invite and. Anytime you guys want to talk shop, hey, just let me know. I love doing it. Well, I'm sure we'll be back on here with you at some point. (laughs) Sounds great. Appreciate it. We'll see you. You bet. See you guys. See you.